Thank you for choosing to listen to the Emmaus Chapel Messages podcast, a ministry of Emmaus Bible College. Each episode is taken from a chapel message given here at Emmaus. For more information about similar Emmaus ministries, please visit concerninghim.com. It's a privilege to be speaking to you again. I was just thinking that I do miss the wonderful privilege I did have in prior years to preach to the freshman class three times a week in Uti survey. Well, good things, some good things don't last forever, but they're replaced by other things. What we shall do this morning is to take sort of a leisurely, thoughtful, careful walk through the verse that we just had read to us which in the ESV reads, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. Where you are today, as those who have confessed faith in the Lord Jesus, knowing our Creator is the most privileged place to be. Let not a wise man boast in his wisdom, not a rich man boast in his wealth. Let not a strong man boast in his strength, but let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me. That's the greatest privilege of of life, to know our Creator and to be related to Him by His grace in an everlasting bond where our destiny is guaranteed, and we are going to be in endless fellowship with Him. What can beat that? And in this present life, then, we are to live in the light of this reality, that we have come to know God, or God has caused us to come to know Him. And it changes the shape of everything else. It changes the perspective of our life, how we view good things and bad things, It changes our motivations, our purpose for living. Paul is writing to Timothy, his son in the faith, one whom very likely he led to faith in Christ during the first missionary journey, and who since the second missionary journey has been his companion and fellow worker. And this stage in life, toward the end of Paul's ministry, he's been given responsibilities to make sure things are working well in the churches where he's been sent, most likely Ephesus, the area. And what we have in 2 Timothy is Paul's fatherly Christian advice to his son in the faith. And in this particularly important verse, it says, do your best. Yes, we be diligent to sh- present yourself to God as a workman, as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed. Well, it's such a wonderful verse because if you read it in the King James, it leads to especially good misunderstandings. It begins by saying, study to show yourself approved to God. And then it concludes with rightly dividing the word of truth, and people have done really fun stuff with it. This rightly dividing has been taken to mean dispensational cutting of the Gospels for you to figure out 
<coughs> which chapters belong to you and which don't. I'm serious. The uh, first part, study, then has been just taken to mean study. And it should mean study for you. That's what you're doing. But really, as the ESV has it, and it's probably not the best rendering, do your best. You know, we can be very subjective about doing my best. Oh, I did my best. It really means do your best or to be diligent, to be diligent. The standard Greek dictionary gives us an expansive definition of it. It says, be especially conscientious in discharging an obligation. How about that? That's to do your best. Be especially conscientious in discharging an obligation. To take whatever has been given to you to do to heart. To do it with your best effort and thought going into it. I believe in studying. No, I still study. I got a few insights as I was preparing for speaking to you this morning. I'm still a student of the text, discovering things that I hadn't clearly understood before. And I believe in your studying, as those of you who are in my classes know, I really want you to study for those exams. Those notes are meant for studying, to learn. How many of you really take this task you have committed yourself to be a student, how many of you have really taken it to heart? You are servants of God, but <clears throat> right now you are in the role of being students, studying, full-time students. How many of you have really taken it to heart that you are diligent in this? Or, uh, <clears throat> I'm here, I'll go to class <clears throat> taking my cuts as I'm permitted, soak in, when I'm not distracted by other things, a few things, walk out and then show up on test day. Uh, teachers here are easy. We don't easily fail. Is that the hard attitude or are you especially conscientious in discharging the obligation of being a learner in the classes that you are enrolled in. He goes on, the dictionary goes on to say, be zealous, eager, take pains, make every effort, be conscientious. That's what it means to do your best, to do your best to present yourself to God a certain way. Now, you know, my conclusion is that it takes about two to three years to understand what this means. It's a very difficult Greek word. Why do I think so? Because graduating students have had this confession to make. I wish I took my studying more seriously while I was a freshman. Actual quote. So it must take two, three years to figure out what it means to be diligent, right? Because at the end of your experience, when the harvest is past, summer is ended, we find that we are not saved. Every day is an opportunity. Whatever is water under the bridge is water under the bridge, but there's more water upstream. So may God grant it, right? Every new day is your new opportunity. 
be a conscientious servant of God in the time that God has given you to study, to take to heart, to learn, to understand what you have come to do here at Emmaus Bible College. When I was a kid, <clears throat> there's a saying connected with something that I used to enjoy as a kid, which is something called a gooseberry. Now, it's not the same gooseberry you find in the stores here. I think it's different. This is a, it's a berry with a hard pit. And when it's mature, it doesn't get sweet. It gets very fibrous and hard. But something about the gooseberry, I used to climb the tree and pick off these gooseberries. They were bitter at first. And as you chewed them, especially if you had a glass of water to drink, oh, it tasted so sweet. So there's a saying that the sayings of the wise or the old ones are like this. They are like these berries, bitter at first, but sweet later. And so it is with wisdom. Wisdom cries out in the book of Proverbs, saying those who disregarded look back and say, oh, I wish I had listened. But then it is, that opportunity is gone. Seize the opportunities you have today. Be especially conscientious. Be diligent to show yourself. So be diligent to do what? Here Paul admonishes Timothy, saying, be diligent to present yourself to God. Have you thought about your undertakings of life to be that? Here I am. In whatever I am doing, I am presenting myself to God. That's exactly what you are doing because you belong to God. If you are not serving God, here's the question. If you don't yourself see yourself as a servant of God, who is your master? If you are not a servant of God, man or woman, you're sitting in this auditorium this morning, if you don't view yourself as someone who serves God, who are you serving? Yourself? <laughs> it's another way of saying my sinful self. The, the, the passing fancies and vanities of this life, it's to say that I'm still under the dominion of darkness. Everyone who has come to God has been brought to a place of knowing God, and now the best thing for you, for me, is to do His will. We acknowledge this, right? We acknowledge this. You know, the wonderful thing I, about, I find about many Christians, and I, I was here, so I was also wonderful this way once upon a time. We have great feelings about the things of God, right? We have great feelings. Not much action. Not much deed. I remember an interview. It was a hard interview. I was trying to get into something great, but <clears throat> didn't get it. The interviewer asked me, what have you ever done for people? At that point in my life, I couldn't think of too many things. Never helped old ladies cross the street. Never did other things. I just had great feelings for people. And some of those feelings had practical application in terms of praying for them, but I had not really put myself to work to do any useful work of service. 
And I did not think that even what I was doing as a student in those days was something I undertook because of my commitment to God to live a life in the best way possible to serve Him. Those were not part of my vision or outlook. But be diligent to present yourself to God as one approved. Do your best that in whatever you are doing, it meets with the approval of God. As one who is approved. And the word here is actually a very useful, interesting. It has to do with testing, proving. That when whatever you have done has been examined, it, it stands the test. It meets the requirements. So you, I'm supposed to, in whatever I have been given to do, in my teaching responsibility, administrative responsibility, parental responsibilities, ministry responsibilities, all of these, I am to be a servant of God who is diligent to present myself before God when he looks at what I have done, it meets with approval. So think about it for a minute. Do my days, my deeds, my commitments of time meet with divine approval? When he has examined it, when I present it, when we go before him, say, so I was actually, I probably won't go there, I was thinking about the parable of the Minas. Uh, a nobleman, he went to a faraway country to obtain a kingdom. He gave to servants equal amounts, 10 minas each of wealth to, of, to do trade with. And then he comes back and seeks an account of them. And then he, they must present to him what they have earned with the investment that they had been given. That's in Luke's Gospel 19, verses 12 to 17. And the, and the first one comes, he had 10, so he earned 10. And this is what the master says to him, you have been Faithful in little, you shall be entrusted with much. If I'm not faithful with little things, I'm not going to be faithful with greater things. If I'm not faithful in what I am committed to undertake today, what is the guarantee that you are going to be any better when you take on greater things? If as a student, I'm not being diligent, what is the guarantee that when I get into ministry of whatever kind, that I shall be more diligent? Be faithful in what you're doing today. Take it to heart. With all its challenges, with all its difficulties, this is where you are today. This is what God has done, given for you to do today. This is what you have committed to do today. Be what you're supposed to be. Be diligent. Because you are presenting yourself to God as one who is approved, as one who meets the test. And then Paul goes on to say, tell Timothy in a couple of other phrases what this means. He is to be an unashamed workman. Be diligent to present yourself to God as an approved one, a workman who 
does not need to be ashamed or one who is unashamed. This word, again, I went to the dictionary expansive definition on this, if that was interesting. What's this unashamed workman? One who doesn't experience a painful feeling or sense of loss of status because of some particular event or activity, or just be ashamed. Some of you, <clears throat> and I want you to know, you are not alone in this. I have been in those spots before. But engage in things that you would not be proud to declare to others that you do. It may be your private life, but it's not private to God. All things are naked and open before him with whom we have to do. And it may have to do with how you actually undertake your duties and commitments as a student and how you do assignments. You do not want to be ashamed as a student in how you do your work. You do not have, do not bring yourself into situations where you have to confess to dishonesty of any kind. We do not want it here. We do not want it when we file taxes. We do not want it in the work environment when we face the world later. We want to be people who have the mark of God upon us. We belong to Him. We are His children. We have His Spirit. And if I am caught up into this web of dishonesty, then I should seek God that with His grace I can break out of it and become honest and one, that who, one who is unashamed again. We want to be faithful servants of God who have integrity, one who does not need to be ashamed, one who has not wasted opportunities, but also one who has conducted himself, herself, ethically, rightly. Be an unashamed workman. Have engaged in nothing about which, if it came to be known, you would be ashamed before the world, before God before God's people. Then the last part of it says, be diligent to present yourself to God as an approved, unashamed workman who rightly handles the word of truth. So <clears throat> the work for Timothy was to handle the word of truth. And for all of you, irrespective of your major, whether it is business, computer science, teacher education, I'm so delighted that we, we are able to offer these degrees and you're able to come here to study these things. And I hope that more would come to take this opportunity. But it's also our goal that all of you are students of God's word who become equipped to become teachers of God's word. And the work is handling the word of truth correctly. <clears throat> Use another Greek word. I would tell you what the word is, except that I remember the words of a preacher from the Chicago area. He said, Greek and Hebrew, they are like underwear. <clears throat> you need them 
but they are not for showing. <clears throat> so, so here's the word, uh, which has been translated dividing rightly, but it really means to cut straight, to, to handle accurately. And it's a concern that Paul has been addressing in this context. So in verse 14, if you're still, your Bible is still open uh, to 2 Timothy 2.15. If you look at 14, he says, don't quarrel about words. So there's a lot in the context about uh, speaking about truth, speaking about God's word. So in verse 14, you have don't quarrel about words. Then in 16, he has got avoid irreverent babble, according to the ESV. So irreverent babble quarrels about words. In verse 18, understand and hold to correct doctrine. So that would be um, Hymenaeus and Philetus who have swerved from the truth saying that the resurrection has already happened. Paul's charge to Timothy has been to teach the word, to teach it in season, out of season. That he should, so in verse 2 actually I missed what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrusted to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So the context is about teaching God's word and living a tradition that can be carried on of faithfully teaching God's word. So there's much emphasis here on handling God's word. And this is close to our heart as faculty that you should really handle God's word rightly. Understand what God has said. <clears throat> Every time you open the Bible to turn some verse, you are not getting a new revelation from God. The revelation is already there. It is in the Bible, written <laughs> in human language, which obeys lang laws of grammar and of syntax, and has got you know its own uh, lexicon, so to speak, how words mean. So we often say of preachers as if speak of them as if God has given them a new message. Well, it, God has given them a message, but it should come out of this book because God has already spoken. And so the best way, and I take this charge of really speaking <clears throat> from God's word, whether in chapel or in church, to be a very solemn task because I'm here as God's mouthpiece to you to speak on his behalf saying, this is what God says, and I have to speak to you truthfully. And to do so, I must understand the Word of God correctly, and that takes a lot of work. It doesn't just soak into your mind because you are pious and you have a good heart for God. No, it is written text. You must understand what it says, not bring your fancies, my fancies, to to kind of infuse into, inject into words and phrases I find in the text. Handle the word of God accurately, correctly, and your introduction to biblical interpretation followed by hermeneutics, followed by praxis, followed by homiletics, may God bless you to take it, if <clears throat> are really intended to help you learn and grow in this process to become competent handlers of God's word who are faithful to what God has already spoken and has been written down for our benefit, right? It's part of faithfulness. 
Here, people really are bringing danger into the lives of other people. They're saying the resurrection is past already, bringing their own interpretation to the text. We shouldn't do that. Ultimately, I'm not preaching my ideas. It's not my task. My ideas, I think they're great, but <clears throat> they're not God's. And they're only great or good or useful to the extent they correspond to truth. And in handling the word of God and truth concerning life and destiny, the only measure of their value or correctness is the standard of God's word. And that should be correctly understood. So Emmaus really has taken on a very noble, conscientious, wonderful mission before God to, in fact, to contribute to this very same charge that Paul gives to Timothy that what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrust to faithful men and women. That's what we are trying to do. Both in the study of God's word and through the, the classes on Christian doctrine, biblical doctrine, systematic theology, or in the courses on the biblical text, our goal is to communicate to you sincerely and faithfully what God has said in his word. And understanding correct doctrine is not just a matter of the head, but also of, you said the heart, right? No, I meant hands and feet. <clears throat> Biblically, head and heart kind of go together. We say head, knowledge, heart's feeling. It is important for biblical doctrine to affect not only our head, but our hands and our feet, the way we live. That's the true practice of doctrine. It should affect our feelings also. The mind and heart, they really should not be merely cognitive. It's not enough for me to understand that Jesus is the Son of God, the Savior who died on the cross. If it does not affect my feelings, I have not truly appreciated the cross. Feelings are important. We should not denigrate them. It's an important place that's part of us. But deeds are just as important. How I live should correspond to Bible doctrine. What I teach, what I say, how I speak. These are the ultimate measures of what I have learned and understood. Let's take to heart what Scripture tells us here through Paul to Timothy, but the Spirit of God speaking to us. Be diligent to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. May God bless you in this way. Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks for the privilege of knowing you, a privilege of being your servants. Help us to be faithful, diligent, unashamed workmen who rightly handle the word of truth. May your blessing be upon each man and woman here. We ask in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Emmaus Chapel Messages podcast. This ministry is possible because of the generous contributions from our partners around the world. For more information about partnering with us, please visit emmaus.edu partner.